right, here we go on the five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to everything you need to know about music. Where tonight, I, Jason, am going to overanalyze and go deep, deep dive into a fantastic song by Paul Simon called You Can Call Me Al. A song that I think I am safe in saying that everyone likes. I have never met someone that doesn't love this song. It's a song that I think works for everyone and almost every occasion. Um, We're going to do a deep dive in a couple of things. We're going to talk about the album that it comes from, which is Graceland, which is one of Paul Simon's greatest achievements. Uh, We're going to talk about the production, the story behind how it was put together. Uh, We're going to talk about, of course, the song title. The reason that everyone likes it, I think there's some uh, real musical elements that need to be highlighted that are just friendly for all. Uh, The bass, the infamous bass line, and the break towards the end of the song. And then, of course, the really funny and great music video. So those are kind of the topics we're going to talk about. So in order to kind of lay uh, some groundwork and what this song is, we've got to talk about when it was created, why it was created, and the album that it came from. So the album is called Graceland, and it was the seventh solo album for Paul Simon. This was after Simon and Garfunkel broke up and Paul Simon was doing a lot of his own stuff. And he was coming off of a, a, a period where a lot of his albums were just not really mainstream. This was the early 80s, and Paul Simon's relationship with Art Garfunkel had deteriorated. Also, his marriage to the actress Carrie Fisher from the Star Wars movies collapsed. And as I had mentioned, his previous record, Hearts and Bones, was a commercial failure. In 1984, after a period of some great... Um, introspection after a period of some real depression for him personally he was fascinated by this by an album that he got which was a bootleg cassette of and i'm going to try and pronounce this as best i can which is this south african street music called mabagunga and he decided he wanted to do something totally different. And so he and his music partner at the time, his producer, Roy Halley, went and visited Johannesburg and met up with a bunch of South African musicians and just kind of started playing along with them. And this album is what really was the result of that. And it was this collage of pop and rock and some acapella stuff and some Zydeco music and, of course, this Mabagunga music. Simon wrote all of the works, and it was all inspired by this trip to South Africa. And it was really right at the time when South Africa was going through this apartheid. And it was just everything kind of fell into place for him to have this cultural effect and this movement during this time with the songs that were created from these great musicians. And I'm not going to go into too much detail of what the musicians had to do in order to participate. And it was really tough for them because they had to you know, kind of hide and they had to be home by certain times when they couldn't be out at night. And, and Paul Simon really made it worth their while by paying them three times the normal wage in order to really show them how much he appreciated everything that they were doing and what came out of it was an unbelievably successful album one of his greats which most people say is of his solo career his finest work he won the grammy in 1987 for album of the year and it is recognized in the national recording registry as culturally and historically and aesthetically important 
But what we're going to talk about here is specifically my favorite song on the album and the biggest hit off the album, which is Call Me Al. Before we get into some of the lyrics, and Paul Simon is a lyrical genius, and we'll talk about that in a second, I want to get into the song structure. Um, it's a very simple structure, and it, it is a three-chord song. There's no minors. It is all major chords. It is a one four five, which is one being the root, which is G, four being the C chord, and the five chord being the D chord, and that is it, one four five. The way that it is played, though, is in this pattern, one five five four, one five five one, and I want to play that for you real quick so you hear what that sounds like, and I can best do that by just playing the beginning of the song with the horns, but these aren't real horns. This is actually a synthesizer. There are real horns in this song, and we're going to get to the personnel in a little bit. But listen to the way it starts, which with that one five five four one five five one. One five five four one five five one. Now, before we go too far, I want to stop it there and say that there are actually three different bass lines in this song. And I want to accentuate those. I want to highlight them, and I'm going to actually solo them out here. I have this tracks in front of me so that you can hear. It's important we do this because this is such a bass-driven song, and it has that African rhythm to it, which is really pushed, not so much by the drums, albeit that they are there, but it's really the bass that moves this song and gives it its push and its rhythm. All right, so here's the first and main bass line of the song. Now that is there with just a click track so you can just hear how that bass line runs. And this was recorded by the great South African bass player Bakiti Kamalo. And this is in the style of Mbakanga music. The second bass line, which is also uh, done on a fretless bass to give it a bit of a different sound as well, is this line. And that slide. And then there's another fretless bass line. This is the third bass line that is actually played by Paul Simon on this one. And it goes like this. Those three bass lines are what truly drive the rhythm and the groove of this song. That plus the clicking and a bit of those drums really give you that incredible feel. Paul Simon really wanted to have the character of the song to be symbolic of his South African experience. Uh, again, during this apartheid that was going on in South Africa, and You Can Call Me Al is really a story of how someone like him, someone like Paul Simon, who goes to Africa with no idea and has this extraordinary spiritual experience and how he talks about someone just being out of place and not really fitting in at all. And we'll go into some of the lyrics that kind of showcase that, but that's really about his experience in a land that he just doesn't feel like he belongs and is totally, totally new. Paul Simon has said in an interview that You Can Call Me Al starts off with a very easy, soft, sort of a joke, saying, why am I soft in the middle when the rest of my life is so hard? And it's a really good uh, 
way to start the song. And we're going to go to the song so you can hear how it all gets put together. So listen to the bass, those horns that we talked about in the beginning, which are actually done by a synthesizer, and then they're redone later in the song with real horns. So let's just get to it. Those are the synthesizers. Here comes the bass lines. Those drums. A man walks down the street, he says, Why am I soft in the middle now? Why am I soft in the middle? The rest of my life is so hard. I need a photo opportunity. I want a shot of redemption. Don't want to end up a cartoon in a cartoon graveyard. Bone digger, bone digger, dogs in the moonlight. Far away. You hear that slide of the bass right there. Those are. And you got the background vocals mirroring it. I don't find this stuff amusing anymore. Now, before we get to the chorus, I want to read it to you. It says, if you'll be my bodyguard, I can be your long lost pal. I can call you Betty. And Betty, when you call me, you can call me Al. And I want to take this opportunity to actually say, who is Al? And it's a phenomenal story. So the song's title comes from a a, a party that Paul Simon and his wife threw in his apartment and it was that around 1970s sometime he didn't doesn't remember exactly and his wife at the time was Peggy Harper and S- Paul Simon's friend was the composer Stanley Silverman and he brought along to the party another composer named Pierre Boulez and when Boulez was leaving he had thanked Paul Simon for having him over but he said to him hey Al thanks so much for having me please tell your wife Betty I said goodbye now Paul Simon thought this was hilarious because his name is not Al and his wife's name wasn't Betty but maybe it was Paul and said with a uh, a French accent to be Al or all and Peggy became Betty, but he just found it to be hilarious and he worked it into this song. I could be your long lost pal. I can call you Betty and Betty, when you call me, you can call me Al. From there, the lyrics go into what I think is a man kind of experiencing a a midlife crisis almost. Where's my wife and family? What if I die here? Who will be my role model now that my role model is gone, et cetera, et cetera. But let's uh, let's have Paul Simon sing that hook, which is so famous that everybody knows, goes like this. If you be my bodyguard, I can be your long lost pal. I can call you Betty. Betty, when you call me, you can call me out. We get into verse two. Goes like this. A man walks down the street. He says, why am I short of attention? Got a short little span of attention. And all my nights are so long. Where's my wife and family? What if I die here? Who'll be my role model? Now that my role model is gone, gone. Be ducked back down the alley with some roly-poly little bat-faced girl. All along, along, there were incidents and accidents. There were hints and allegations. So great. Now, before we go any farther, I really want to talk about the horn section because it is so big. We started with those horns that were done by synthesizer in the beginning of the song. But as we go through into verse three and into kind of that musical break that finishes the song, there are 14 different musicians that play on this. There are 
four trumpets, two trombones, a baritone saxophone, a bass saxophone, a penny whistle, and others that really contribute to all of this brass that's there. So I want to highlight that now and kind of go through it so you can hear the difference. And I'm going to do it by playing the brass section and then the front section, and then towards the end, they put the two together, meaning they use the brass plus the synthesizer brass, and they put it all together. Check out these horn lines. Listen how big that is. Now, Contrast those horns with the beginning horns, which were done by synthesizer, that goes like this. And you can hear the difference. Now, before those horns come through towards the end of the song, we've got to talk about the infamous, and yes, I'm using that word correctly, the infamous bass line, that break that we have. I'm going to play it for you first, and then we're going to talk about it. Alright, get ready. Listen to it first. Now, at first hearing, you think, wow, what an amazing break. The whole thing drops out except for the bass. Everything else is removed. Secondly, I love his tone. The tone is spectacular on that bass. It's just funky and it pops. Thirdly, when you hear it, you go, Boy, that's really quick. That's fast. Let me play it one more time and just focus on the notes. How many notes is he playing? And in focusing on those notes, you go, wait a second. Why does it sound a little runny there? It sounds like he's kind of moving in a weird way. Listen to it one more time. Listen to the first half versus the second half. Sounds weird, doesn't it? And the reason is because he's actually only playing the first half, the scale going down. And what happens is what they did in the engineering room was actually snip it, reverse it, and play it back. So he's playing it front ways first, then they reversed it, and they slid the tape and did it backwards, meaning he's only playing the first half and then they reversed it for the second half. I think you can hear where they flip it because you can hear that it's not actually somebody playing. It's actually the tape. Check it out one more time. And it just sounds so cool. And here come the big horns. Now they could have ended it here. They really just could have faded it out here. They just keep bringing it back and they just make you want to dance. It just ends so strong and powerful and everything comes back. Now I want to talk about a couple of the things with regards to just how much of a big deal this became. When You Can Call Me Al came out in the United States, it was okay. It was received... Eh, Fair, fairly good, reaching number 44 on the Billboard Top 100 in September of 1986. But as the acclaim for Graceland, the album grew, it began it won Album of the Year at the Grammy Awards in February of 87. The single had this resurgence of popularity and airplay, but I really have to give a lot of the credit 
to the video, the MTV music video that was made with Paul Simon sitting in a chair next to comedian Chevy Chase. And if you ever get a chance, and I'm I'm sure many of you have already seen it, but if you ever get a chance to watch it again, it's just so playful and fun. You've got Chevy Chase actually singing the lyrics as if it's his song, even though Paul Simon is literally sitting next to him. And they're both playing all these different instruments, and it's just hilarious. Um, Originally, Paul Simon had done a video of him performing live, uh, and they were going to use the one that he did when he did it live on Saturday Night Live, but it just didn't have any fun to it. It just, it was just kind of lackluster. So, uh, Lorne Michaels, who's a friend of Paul Simon said, you know, you should get with Chevy Chase, who they were kind of close as well and said, um, you guys should do something together. And so they did. And it's just this Chevy Chase is six, four, Paul Simon's five, three. It's just, it's just a, a hilarious video. And because the video was so well done and so funny, it actually helped the song achieve even a higher rank. So I want to go out with one more thing on the song. And that is the third verse. And the third verse, I think really talks about exactly what Paul Simon was going through personally was going through at the time in his life and what he was going through while he was walking around in South Africa. It says everything. And the reason I'm using this to showcase just his ability for songwriting is it was highlighted for me and brought to life in a book that I read recently, which was done by Paul Simon and Malcolm Gladwell. And it was an audiobook that they made together called Miracle and Wonder. And it's an audiobook in that Malcolm Gladwell is basically talking to Paul Simon about how he can just put together what Malcolm Gladwell calls a three-minute novel. He tells a full, complete, deep story with incredible character development and what, what some people would take an entire movie or an entire novel. Paul Simon has a gift of being able to do it in just three minutes. And I think this one verse highlights exactly that. So the way I want to go out is just with this verse from You Can Call Me Al, and you really can feel exactly what he was going through, not only in his life, not only in this song, but also in this entire album. And it's just beautifully done. So with that, we will say thank you so much for listening. Enjoy this third verse. And we'll see you next time. speak language, he holds no currency, he is a foreign man, he is surrounded by the sound, the sound, cattle in the marketplace, scatterings and orphanages, he looks around, around, he sees angels in the architecture, spinning in infinity, he says amen, hallelujah, if you would be my bodyguard, I can 